Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. It's Memorial Day weekend. Summer is here. And in the investment world, May also brings up an old adage. Sell in May and go away. What it means and the pitfalls of basing your investment strategy on this and other herd mentalities. Plus market analysis from senior market strategist at LPL Research, Ryan Dietrich. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome aboard for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show all across the state of Arkansas coming to you from lovely Bryant, Arkansas on this Memorial Day weekend. Summer lovely. is Indeed, here. I'm trying to make a pitch for the Chamber of Commerce. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's always a great day in Bryant. You know, lovely Bryant, Arkansas. <laughs> yes, home of the uh, Lady Hornet soccer champions. Oh, here we go. Yeah. We there know, we go. We we know exactly where this is going now. Yes. So you know, this is worth. You know, I have my. I, it's not a bully pulpit, but I do have a microphone. So I think, and it's, you're not afraid to use it. And either. I'm not afraid to use it. So a quick congratulations to my wife Nicole, who is the coach of the Bryant High School ladies, uh, and my twin daughters Abby and Ashton, who are starters on that team. They won the state championship last weekend in Fayetteville, beating Conway two to one. It was a great game. Conway's a great team, uh, and it was quite an exciting time for this dad. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that. Uh, I was trying to to follow on Twitter or or Facebook, and I was getting nothing. So I just texted you and said, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah, so. yeah. Exciting's a word for it. And then the other word I would use is uh, nervous for sure. You were I, a little weak need even after the uh, after the weekend. I know it was amazing. I mean, I, I I always get into the game, but I feel like I control it most of the time. But I was down on the sidelines taking pictures, and uh, I I was. Not sure I was going to make it through at the end. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it was a tight game, and the clock could not run fast enough. It was, uh, it was definitely um, a stressful time. I might need to go on blood pressure medication. I'm not sure, but anyway, congratulations uh, to the whole team too, not just my daughters and my wife, but the entire uh, Bryant. Uh, girls soccer team let's, yeah let's do it again congratulations and mm-hmm. and uh just a great story uh if you get a chance to dig into that yeah. at some particular point in time you might want to check that out yeah we've got there's uh, been a little bit of press on that and uh and i invite you to, to look that up in fact you can go to my wife's website why don't i just plug that <laughs> nicoleinman.com to find let's out see. more are we doing the that? get ready for the future hey, show wait a minute. today is that uh, <laughs> what, what are we doing here we're talking about sell in may and go away right we've got to dig into that uh it is memorial day weekend and and you know i think it's a time where a lot comes to an end we just talked about the state championship spring sports season coming to an end school coming to an end graduation is over i don't know about you guys but i feel like the re- relaxation is kicking in yeah a little I, bit of I, I think so and and uh you know i, I don't think we've introduced our our, our guest today i haven't no <laughs> you got I, I, was, I had soccer on the brain <laughs> uh, my name is scott inman that's john shrewsbury you've heard austin evans to my left yes, candace stanley to uh my right in janet's chair today because janet is getting some relaxation as well she's yep. she's off uh, on is she in the smokies is that where I she believe so. yeah yeah so she's on a little trip with the family uh so we're glad to have candace sitting in so you guys ready for summer Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got plans this weekend. Going to break out the camper, get it all dewinterized, and uh, go, go spend a little bit of time out in the sun. You know, there there is this camping disease at Genwell. There's <laughs> really? Candace and then there's Chad. They, really? they are like, I think it's they're Marcus Lemonis uh, aficionados. I think they hang out at Camping World or something. <laughs> I don't know if I'd describe it as a disease. You just don't like it. I guess that's why you describe it as a disease. Uh, look, here, He just doesn't understand. Here is the deal. There is a perfectly good hotel just down the road. Now, why would you just go stay in a box or or even in a tent? I just don't understand. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Stimulate the economy here. Come on. Yeah, so how uh how 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 is your camping define your camping because there's camping and then there's like roughing it camping yeah we do not rough it okay, okay. i've got to a, say, who are we talking <laughs> about listen here? i've got a little girl and i just can't imagine roughing it uh with her in a tent but no we we do what's called glamping glamping, glamping. yes please know. please define nice. that yes. we're going to define a lot of uh, <laughs> yes. terms today yeah so you know that's when you you, you kind of want to go camping but you don't want to rough it too much so you you camp in your camper and it's a little <laughs> bit more glamorous than the tent okay glamping climate control 
Oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. All right. Are okay. you kidding? One hundred percent. All right. Hey, we still get outdoors. Don't get me wrong. Satellite TV. No. Oh, okay. No. So but you're not no. all the way over. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not full on yeah. hoteling. No, no. So Austin, you have a newborn. You're mm-hmm. obviously not going camping. No, we're camping at the house <laughs> and doing a whole lot of nothing and yeah. looking forward to it. Well, good. And hoping he sleeps a little more. So a little uh, sleep deprived, are you? A little bit. He has his his moments where he's a little rough here and there. But all in all, he's he's a pretty good kid, pretty chill kid. So good. Good. Well, we've gone from soccer to camping. What's next? <laughs> Selling May and go away. <laughs> right? Stay, on, stay on topic. That's the, hey, that's the theme of today's show. Now, we're going to go a lot of places with this because I think it, it really uh, highlights an opportunity to get into what we'd call herd mentality. These old adages, these sayings, these, these uh, rules of dumb, as John yes, would call it. That's right. uh, and it's not a way to base your investment strategy on, that's for sure. But Selling May and Go Away is a well-known financial world adage. It's actually uh, based on the historical underperformance of some stocks or stock indexes in the uh, six-month period from May through October compared to the period from November to April. And and there is, there is some historical evidence that for whatever reason, and nobody's really clear on why, from 1950 to 2013, uh, for instance, the Dow Jones Industrial Average posted lower returns during May to October compared to November to April. So it has uh, resulted in this phrase that has been coined, sell in May and go away. And it's actually thought to originate. I love this that uh, Ginger cooked up for us here. It, 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 it derives from an old English saying, sell in May and go away and come back on St. Ledger's Day? Ledger's Day. Ledger's Day. Yeah, you know the what English that is? phrase refers to a custom of aristocrats who would leave the city of London and escape to the country during the hot summer months. And St. Ledger's oh. Day refers to St. Ledger's Stakes. It's a thoroughbred race uh, in mid-September hmm. and the last leg of the British Triple Crown. How about that? A history lesson on the Get Ready for the Future <laughs> from, show. Uh, a British history lesson from somebody yeah. named Shrewsbury. Uh-huh. Very <laughs> English term. That's very nice. Yes. So as it applies to the investment world, we're going to talk a little bit about does this make sense to base any investment strategy? Because the because the the result is that adage and those historical statistics help uh, investors or help encourage investors to either reduce John or even eliminate in some cases their equity exposure during this time of the year. Yeah, and and Scott, you don't have to look any further than last year to understand why we call this a rule of dumb because last year. Uh, the indices all went up during mm-hmm. the summer. Mm-hmm. And so that just belied the the whole idea of selling May and go away. Now, as you'll hear from LPL's chief market strategist in just a few moments, Ryan Dietrich, uh, maybe this year there may be some validity to it. But the problem that you run into is that you have these these old you know, phrases are, are, as I call them, rules of dumb that you begin to rely on. And then you all of a sudden get caught behind the eight ball and, mm-hmm. and you don't uh, really benefit from some things that could be coming to pass that you would want to happen during the summer, which is, oh, maybe the market going up. Yeah, because I believe even if this uh, has held true in the past, you've got two major problems, as I see it. One, historical means historical. It means you're looking in the rearview mirror. This has happened in the past, and I think this is something we run into, John, when we are uh, talking with clients about how they may have invested in their 401k up until this point, how they've chosen their investments. They are looking at what? They are looking at the lifetime rates of return that those funds have produced, and that is helpful. There's no question about it that that can provide some uh, perspective on what kind of managers there have been on that fund and what it has done in the past, but you wouldn't drive down Interstate 30 looking in your rearview mirror, would you? No. You have to be looking ahead. You definitely don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And and you definitely don't want to base your investment strategy on some, you know, uh, supposed tried and true phrases or rules of dumb, as we like to call them. You really do want to have a more in-depth strategy than that. We're going to hear from Ryan Dietrich on the show next, LPL's chief investment strategist. That's coming up next. Get off the crazy train and onto a more dependable track with the Gen Wealth team. All aboard the Get Ready for the Future show after the break. Life can be so busy it's hard to even picture retirement. 
That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. On video and on radio, welcome in to the fastest four minutes in investing. I'm Scott Inman along with John Shrewsbury. And on the radio side, coming up in just a few minutes after this segment, you're going to be hearing from Ryan Dietrich, who is the senior market strategist at LPL Research, and he's going to do a deep dive on where we are in the markets. We're going to talk about trade. We're going to talk about the summer months of volatility that they they expect could be there uh, for certain over the next few months. But overall, John, LPL Research is still bullish on 2019. We, we believe that there is still some upside to this market, but the road may be bumpier ahead. Yeah, Ryan will talk about the fact that uh, we're long in our business cycle. Obviously, this is one of the longest, if not the longest business cycles that we've had on an upswing, and it begins to get ragged as it goes out further. And so volatility is going to be the theme for the rest of the year, albeit that we do expect the S&P 500 to be higher. You'll hear Ryan talk more about that in just a moment. But what's the antidote? How do you deal with this? What do you do in your investment portfolio? Well, today, on the uh, fastest four minutes in investing, we've got about three things that we want to discuss with you that are possibilities that you might think about when you're lear- thinking about adjusting your portfolio. Scott, I think the number one thing is obviously the old tried and true fixed income exposure uh, to tamp down volatility. We talk on our show all the time about kind of bonds in a rising interest rate environment. It'd right. be really easy to think that we don't uh, like bonds, but we really do like bonds, mm-hmm. but all bonds are not created equal. Yeah, And so you've got a situation where where if you're getting the interest from a bond, uh, the dividend, if you will, from a bond, that tends to dampen any market volatility you might have in the bond market. And the bonds create a sort of a stable environment that counterbalance maybe some of the stock volatility. So number one, check out your exposure to fixed income. And we sort of have more of a flat interest rate environment, at least in the short term now, too, as the Fed has backed off of raising interest rates. So that can uh, help the bond performance as well. But as you were talking about, all bonds not created equal, it really comes down to the duration of those bonds. It does. And really, whether they have a fixed rate or an adjustable rate, because in a rising interest rate environment, an adjustable rate bond is going to perform better than a fixed rate bond because it'll be able to keep up with those rising rates. Scott, number two is to think about dividend paying stocks. I like to think about getting paid while you're waiting on the market to settle out whatever it's going to do. So interest or dividends that come from dividend paying stocks passed along to you could be a great way to ride out some volatility because it's kind of like I tell clients all the time. You don't worry about what the price of the cow is as long as the cow's given some good milk. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of the thought process that you need to have if you're pursuing a dividend strategy in your portfolio. Especially if it's a long-term strategy, right? You don't, you're not anticipating selling any of those shares of those dividend-paying stocks, so you give it time to recover. And as John mentioned, getting paid along the way. So final minute, more diversification. This is really more about asset class. We've talked about the stocks and we've talked about the fixed income, but there are other asset classes out there that you could really look into to smooth out potentially that bumpier ride. Absolutely. You want to look at alternative investments. And what that means is there's a whole flock of other investments out there other than the equities and bonds that we've been talking about. What are those? You know, it could be real estate. It could be private equity. It could be hedge funds. It could be business development corporations. There's a whole slew of alternative investments out there, and there are varying ways that you can participate in those. Now, they're not suitable for everyone, and you need to talk to your financial advisor, see if you qualify for it, but that is certainly an area that you want to look at for diversifying into something other than stocks and bonds. That's it for the fastest four minutes in investing. Thanks for watching on social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show, and our broadcast on radio continues right after this. There are only three things you can count on in life. Death, taxes, and the Get Ready for the Future show on Saturdays. Back with more after this break. 
We're back with more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money on the Get Ready for the Future show. Back in black, I guess, today, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. It's been back in red, though, in the uh, markets, <laughs> as far as that goes, the last uh, couple of weeks. As we're joined now by LPL Research Senior Market Strategist Ryan Dietrich, we always have him on the show about once a month, and good morning to you, sir. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me back. And I'll say this, I get to come on with you guys every month. It's a lot of fun. I do other interviews. I've never seen Back in Black or ACDC <laughs> be in the intro, so this is going to be a great interview. We're there trying to make finances fun again. You know, that's what we're uh, trying exactly. to do. It hasn't been that much fun in the markets all uh, that the last couple of weeks or so. It certainly hasn't rivaled uh, what we saw in the last quarter of 2018 by any means, but certainly I think enough to make investors nervous. And we're going to talk a little bit about the reasons for that. But as we dive in today, Ryan, let's talk about the first quarter earnings and stay on the fundamental track here. What's your analysis of the first quarter earnings that are being reported? Well, first quarter earnings, guys, are pretty much about 95% done. So we kind of know what the picture is. The bottom line, really positive in our view. Now, here's the catch. Year-over-year earnings are virtually flat up just slightly if you look at the S&P 500. So someone from the outside would say, well, flat earnings, why is that good? It's all about the expectations. You know, six weeks ago, a lot of people were talking about an earnings recession, meaning two quarters of negative earnings in a row, potentially 5% drop in earnings this first quarter. Fortunately, what happened? Earnings came in once again better than expected. This tends to happen. Analysts lower the bar and you get better than expected earnings. So at LPL Research, we're really encouraged by how earnings season was flat, even though, again, it's better than expected. And we continue to think, you know, Jeff Bookbinder is one of our market strategists on the team. He and I did our weekly podcast just yesterday, and he's our earnings guy. And Jeff really thinks the second half of this year we can continue to see stronger than expected earnings. Um, and that can, again, be a good buffer when we have all these trade concerns. The economy still looks good led by earnings you mentioned trade and since we last visited ryan things have turned sour on the on mm-hmm. the trade front we were really thinking that you know the president and and the chinese were uh headed toward maybe some type of an agreement and then all of a sudden a, a few tweets caused everything to to kind of go south are you concerned right now that uh, this is going to blossom into a bigger deal for us well john you know we are starting to be concerned a little bit but you're right keeping it real simple three weeks ago most people, including us at LPL Research, thought we were a couple days away from having a pretty big-time resolution with China and all these concerns and, and differings on trade. And now it appears both sides have really dug their heels in. Like you said, President Trump is saying they reneged. If you listen to the Chinese media, they're also saying the U.S. kind of started asking for things right at the end. What's the true story? The true story, what we know, is both sides appear to really dug their heels in. Now, That is not the end of the world. We think this trade deal is probably about 80% done. It's just a few more sticking points. Specifically, the United States wants to leave tariffs on in the very beginning. China does not want tariffs on in the beginning. And then some intellectual property things that apparently both sides aren't agreeing on. But we do think we can get a deal. Now, the big date we're all looking at, uh, end of June is the G20 over in Japan when President Trump and President Xi will meet face-to-face. We believe that's the first time they'll meet face-to-face until then. And potentially they can ham out, ham out some type of potential path to resolution is kind of the, the lingo that we like to use. But the bottom line is this. The economy's still strong. No one wants a trade war. No one really wins in a trade war. But we've been having this going on since the first quarter of last year, and, and stocks in the U.S. economy really has held in there. There will be a breaking point. We're not naive to that. But we still think we can get some type of resolution before the end of, put it this way, school starts in August. Hopefully we can have some type of resolution by then is kind of how we see things at LPL Research. Well, we know investors don't like uncertainty, and that's been a large part of the reaction to uh, the trade talk about a trade war anytime you use that terminology. But let's kind of talk about what could potentially happen. Are you worried at all that a trade war would lead to higher prices and or higher inflation? Yeah, we are now. Just yesterday, uh, Fed Chairman Powell had a speech where he talked about inflation. And he even said the Fed needs to wrap their arms around why in the world we're not having higher inflation with full employment, the potential tariffs that are going on. So the Fed doesn't understand why inflation is higher. I'm not sure any of us are going to. (laughs) The bottom line, though, when you see – there was a report that came out just yesterday. The average family of four in the United States – will be impacted by about $2,300 if some of these potential tariffs that are out there are actually in in play and and take part. So when you look at things like that, we wrote about it this week in our weekly economic commentary. We did say, hey, you know, eventually you keep jacking up prices 10 to 25%. 
you're going to have potentially higher inflation. Who's going to impact eventually? It is going to impact that end consumer. We think that's kind of the first round of tariffs really didn't impact the consumer for the most part. It was more the supply chain and, and, and that side of things. But some of these things that we see that are going to have higher tariffs coming in are going to impact the U.S. consumer and Chinese consumers. And that's when, you know, with, with elections in Washington and China, that's when things maybe really can get closer to the finish line when people start seeing, oh, my goodness, I'm paying 25% more for that bed than I did, you know, a quarter ago. We get a lot of beds from China and mattresses. Uh, so that's just something to be aware of. But we still think we can get some type of resolution. But higher inflation just makes sense with a full economy and a growing, a growing economy and a full employment picture. Then you add all these tariffs coming in. LPL Research, we think a little bit higher inflation makes a lot of sense the second half of this year. So turning to the markets and and looking at, at what happened with the, the trade battle, it, it left some blood on the street. And, and then <laughs> we had a nice little rebound over a couple of days. And this kind of bounced around since then. Uh, you had predicted the volatility, but you're really encouraged by the fundamentals. Are you still relying on the fundamentals that we all kind of look at as we head toward the end of the year? And are you still sticking with your uh, forecast of 3,000 on the S&P? John, we sure are. We still think 3,000 is quite likely for the S&P. Now, obviously, the start of the year, after the fourth quarter, a lot of different places cut their earnings estimates, cut their estimates on the S&P 500. At LPL Research, as I came over with you guys every month, we said, you know, we still think there's a stronger economy led by earnings, and 3,000 remains our target. Now, here's the catch, right? The S&P was just up the first four months of the year, one of the best starts we've seen in decades for stocks. That was after a very rough fourth quarter, but still we bounced back and it was a V-shape very, very quickly. We just looked around and said, this is a really good recovery, but up 25% from the lows, and we just had a very quick 5% correction just recently. We still think maybe there could be a little bit more of a correction. The average correction, guys, during... I think we're going to talk about sell and may go away in a second. But the worst six months of the year, from May to Halloween, you see about 11% correction on average, even more during a, a pre-election year like we are. So we think maybe a little more volatility, a little more weakness. We might blame it on trade, blame it on this, blame it on that. After a 25% bounce, a little bit more of a correction can be there. But the positive is those underlying fundamentals, um, you know, near historic lows and in initial claims, earnings are strong, like I said, some of the leading economic indicators we look at, housing starts last week are really good consumer confidence at 15 year highs i mean the economy is really driving us and longer term that should lead to a 3000 s p 500 target but it's not going to be a straight line and it's going to be rocky after the big bounce that we had from the uh, christmas eve lows you're listening to the get ready for the future show we're speaking with lpl research's senior market strategist ryan dietrich joins us once a month on this program and ryan let's talk about something that maybe we don't really hear about if you watch the financial press or listen to the financial news i don't think productivity gets a lot of discussion and you guys are always tracking that um let's first of all define that uh, what you what we mean by that and then how is it affecting the performance of companies right now and and maybe how is it helping the outlook for the markets sure well productivity just kind of like it sounds right getting more work done for the same amount of time that you did if you're more productive you can obviously create more things for the same amount of time. And the way we look at the world based, or the economy, I should say, with LPL research is we think productivity is the key. The truth, guys, during this 10-year bull market that we've had since uh, you know the lows in 2009, stock market's done great. You could argue the economy really hasn't. We've barely printed 3% GDP. Productivity has been extremely low on this recovery. That's another one that's got the Fed and a lot of other economists scratching their head. Hey, you know, we've got, you know, we got a cell phone here. You can do anything you want on your cell phone. You'd think we'd be more productive, but the productivity numbers have been low. And why is that? Well, we don't think confidence has come in as much as it can. I mentioned 15-year highs on consumer confidence. Businesses are still a little bit leery on things after the financial crisis. The positive, though, is that if business confidence does increase, which we think it will, leads to higher productivity. Now, to keep this simple, higher productivity is a good thing. It can lead to higher wages in a good way. You can afford it without pref um, pressuring profit margins. That extends the 10-year business cycle. So productivity is the key to everything, in our opinion, to extend this business cycle. I think it was about approximately two weeks ago we had a productivity number come out, one of the best ones we've seen in five or six years. So the bottom line productivity seems to be finally creeping in and that can increase improve the economy and it should lead to uh, some better things but it's interesting you're right most people talk about profits they talk about PE multiples you know all the different news 
productivity is one of those things that's so important that we kind of gloss over it. Maybe for 10 years we haven't had much productivity, and that's why. But we see some light at the end of the tunnel, and productivity looks to be turning the corner, and that can extend this old business cycle, old bull market, but maybe give it, you know, potentially several more years worth of life if that productivity come, creeps in like we think it can. So to wrap up and to to kind of encapsulate our thoughts about this at this point, Ryan, I would think that uh, to say that that the business cycle has a chance of, of continuing to be extended, but you better have uh, your boots on and your, and your saddle cinched up pretty well if uh, if you're going to ride this one out. Would that be accurate? You're right, John. Late in business cycles, late in economic cycles, you have more volatility. Well, this one's 10 years old, so we fully expect more volatility. But again, as we said at LPL Research, bull markets don't die of old age. They die of excesses, overspending, overleverage, overconfidence. We're not seeing the same level of overs we've seen before. And with productivity so low still, honestly, looking back you know, 70 years, there's room for that to go higher. So there really is reasons to think this economic cycle can continue. And at the end of the day, we need a resolution with China sometime you know, over the next couple of months to really kick things into gear. Without that, well, it's going to be this rocky, frustrating world, and maybe we don't get to 3,000 of the S&P 500. But we still think we can get that resolution with China, and that'll kick start things to be a pretty good second half of the year. We've got about a minute left, and and much of our show today has been concentrated on the old adage, sell in May and and go away. What's your take on that? Well, we wouldn't ignore it, but sell in May, go away again. It's the worst six months of the year, April 1st to Halloween, and there is some truth to it. You know, the seasonal, you tend to get some of the big pullbacks during the summer months. Volume's light, you can get a little bigger move. So this year, with the big move that we had off those lows, we're a little more concerned. I know I came on with you guys last year saying, you know, we don't believe sell may go away this year. And the S&P went up every single month until October. This year, though, we are a little more concerned, and we're a little more, slightly more defensive with things, expecting a little bit more of an equity pullback during the time of year when you tend to see it. Bottom line, though, these six months still average about 2.5%. So it doesn't mean you just go hide under your bed and buy gold and buy cash, right? We still think equities are a place to be, but there might be a better time to, for a better pitch to swing, and we think it could be later this summer when we'll kind of get a little more aggressive with equities on a well-deserved correction. Ryan Dietrich, our guest on the Get Ready for the Future show, Senior Market Strategist for LPL Research. Thank you, as always, for being with us, and we'll talk to you again in about a month or so. I can't wait. Thank you guys for having me again. The Get Ready for the Future show continues right after this. Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That's how we roll on the Get Ready for the Future show. And we'll be right back. A smarter, simpler, more personal approach to retirement continues with the Get Ready for the Future show. All across Arkansas on this Memorial Day weekend, we welcome you back to the Get Ready for the Future show. And you're, if you're just uh, tuning in this morning, I want to invite you to go back and check out our podcast. You can find any of our previous Get Ready for the Future show broadcast, including this one, on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you missed the interview with LPL's senior market strategist, Ryan Dietrich, just a moment ago, boy, that was very insightful. His analysis on where we are in the uh, current trade skirmishes. I still am reluctant to call it an all-out war, John, but it's getting close as far as the rhetoric that goes around that between yeah. between uh, President Trump and China. But his thoughts were uh, very insightful on that. And where we go from here uh, in the markets for the rest of the year, they still remain very bullish at LPL Research in 2019. But there may be some volatility as we enter the summer months. And, and he talked a little bit, chiming in on our theme today, sell in May, and go away, and he said that that might actually there may actually be some rough, turbulent ride through the summer months. But is it worth going away for? And I think that's what we're really kind of going back in and honing in on is basing an investment strategy on what really kind of seems to me is verging on trying to time the market. Now, now generally you think of time the market is I'm going to buy when it's low and sell when it's high. But if you're timing the market even in a six month period. That's that's really not a, a very sound investment strategy. Now, we did say there was truth behind this sell in May and go away adage. From 1950 to around 2013, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had an average return of only 0.3% from May through October, compared with an average of 7.5% during November through April. That's according to a 2017 column in Forbes. But recent data shows that this pattern may not be happening like it has in the past. 
We're going to reference a 2018 article in Investor's Business Daily. If an investor had sold stock in May of 2016, they may have missed some lucrative returns. The NASDAQ, for instance, ended April 2016 much higher in May and soared even higher in late June. It rose by 55% from the end of June of 2016 until the end of January 2018. So the bottom line here, John, is is sell in May and go away. Maybe it works one year. Maybe it works doesn't work the next year. You can't look down the road or you can't drive down the road looking in your rearview mirror. Well, and let's also attack this from a little bit different vantage point. When you have a rule of thumb, or as I like to call it, a rule of dumb, that generally gets applied as common sense and everybody ought to take it, right, Austin? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that's just not true. So let's take a younger investor. Mm-hmm. Market volatility, the market going down even during the summer months or any time, if they're putting money into their program, it's to their advantage. It's a positive thing. You want to stay in the game, so to speak, don't want to get out. You got to really think... This is a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to preparing for your retirement and your financial future. So when the market's down, uh, referencing uh, our cow story that we talk about on here, you're populating that field. You're buying more shares of your investments, which will help you down the road. Now, obviously, dollar cost averaging, as Austin is referencing, doesn't guarantee a profit or insure against Mm -hmm. a loss. But Candace, it does create some opportunities because when you have a downturn, and let's think about the most famous downturn of recent time, the 2007-2000 2008 period of time, mm-hmm. those people that that got out and 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 you know after sore as I like to say out of the mm-hmm. after the horse was out of the barn so to speak, and then didn't know when to get back in and mm-hmm. got back in too late. That's the fallacy of market timing. But if they'd stayed with it and they had added to their position, they'd been better off. Yeah, it always hurts my heart a little bit when we meet with a client who says, you know, I was scared, so I got out and I sold, and it's just been sitting in cash all this time, and they've missed out on so much growth between then and now. And Scott, we see people on a day-to-day basis sometimes, or maybe not every day, but probably once or twice a month, we see people who come in that got scared out of the market in 2008 and stayed out of the market. Yeah, there's no question about it. We see it uh, come come into our office time and time again that they have missed out on all of that growth that's happened from the market lows of March of 2009. So we're now 10 years into this bull market, well over 300, and I haven't seen it recently. might even be 400% now. I can't remember what the S&P 500 has actually done since those uh, lows, but it's well over 300%. So that's a lot of gains that people have missed out on. And the other part of this, too, is is we go back to that timing the market concept. So maybe you think, okay, if I get out for part of May uh, through October, then get back in November and April, and maybe, maybe I can catch only the upside of the market. But I'd ask this question. How confident are you that if you get out for six months or even reduce your equity exposure for six months, that you won't miss at least the best five days of this year, Mm -hmm. the best five days of 2019. How sure are you they're not going to happen in the six-month period that you're walking away from or reducing your equity exposure in? Let me pose this to you. Let's broaden that out. This is from uh, research from Bloomberg. From December 31st of 1979 all the way through April 30th of this year, Okay, so this is nearly four decades. This is fresh, too. Yes, very, very recent. Four decades of performance in the S&P 500. If you would have started on New Year's Eve 1979 and put $10,000 into the S&P 500, which is an index which we can't invest directly into, we might point out, and stayed in for that full time, your $10,000 investment would now be Seven hundred seventy-nine thousand dollars, eight hundred, and uh, well, more than that. Seven hundred seventy-nine, eight hundred seventy. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty large, right? That's if you were in all that time. Now, if you miss the five best days, now we're talking about five best days. All that time over that. Uh, what is that? That is nearly forty, 40 years. years. Mm-hmm. Yes, five days out of forty years. Yes. You would your ten thousand dollars investment would be nice, it'd be, but it'd be five hundred and four thousand nine hundred eleven dollars. Wow. wow, that's crazy! That's huge. Yeah, and you take it out to missing the ten best, it's three seventy six. Mm-hmm. The thirty best, one forty seven, and if you miss the fifty best days over forty years, sixty seven thousand dollars. 
So that's how, amazing. Again, how confident are you that mm-hmm. he, that you're not going to miss the best five days of this year? Yeah. Much less the best five days of the last 40. There's no way to predict that. No way. You know, you don't know. No. Well, I want to throw something out to you guys. Why do you think this is even an issue? Why is it that that people glom on to these things like sell and may and go away and all these other uh, phrases that don't seem to have a whole lot of truth? Why, Why is that the driver of what a lot of people do with their finances? Water yeah. coolers. Well, yeah, they get with their friends yeah. and they're talking about yeah. it. And mm-hmm. so when there's the, that group together having mm-hmm. that discussion, they tend to believe that way. Well, the noise. And I, I kind of think, too, kind of what we're talking about, just consistently staying in it seems too simple to some people when they think of the market, they think of this extreme. And it is complex, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're sitting there going, that's too simple it's too good to be true type concept yeah and and maybe it takes a, a while to prove yeah. yourself out and yeah. they're looking for that quick instant yeah. gratification microwave society that yeah. we're in mm-hmm. i would pose this and see what you guys think about this i would i would propose that it's simply because nobody has a plan yeah nobody mm-hmm. really has a real plan because number one it takes some effort to mm-hmm. get a plan mm-hmm. it takes some work to get a plan, you have to actually roll up your sleeves and pull some statements and sit down with a financial advisor and go through the process to have a strategy as opposed to, oh, yeah, I heard that and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to do that. That sounds yeah. good. Is that really what you want to base your financial future on? And it does. It takes a little bit of work on the front end, but then we get to take it from there. You know, once we do that initial gathering all the statements and meeting and putting the plan together, then, you know, it's a little bit smoother sailing because you've got us to sit there and update the plan with you, meet with you every year, review it. So it becomes a little bit of pressure off of you. I don't think I've ever... And, and uh, that's a bold statement in a 30-plus year career in the financial services industry. But I don't think I've ever had to totally scrap somebody's plan and just totally start over. Uh, the, mm-hmm. No yeah. event yeah. in history has ever caused us to do that. Now, we might have to make some tweaks and modifications along the line. But the magic of the plan, the beauty of the plan, let me say it that way because magic uh, doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's an illusion. Uh, but, but the beauty of a plan is that it forms a foundation. It forms the base, if you will, of of what everything else is built on. Mm -hmm. And when things get crazy, like they did in 2008, you can go back to your base. When things get volatile, like they're probably Mm -hmm. going to do in 2019, 2020, because look at where we are. 10 years in a bull market, uh, an elongated business cycle, it gets a little ragged toward the end, election coming up, uh, trade wars, mm-hmm. are they going to impeach Trump, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff is is beginning to bubble up some noise. Mm-hmm. And do you want, in that environment, think about it. Do you want your financial future based on speculation and really uh, rules that can't be proven out statistically? Or do you want it based on math and science and and reason and and logic is that does that give you more comfort than these old hackneyed rules of thumb that that really don't apply i think i would submit and you guys chime in here i think our clients want a plan i think they really do want that it's just that it's really not readily available other than you know through a few firms like gen wealth because planning what is the statistic scott like 13 percent of the people have yeah. a financial plan or something it's like in that? the teens mm-hmm. i know that and, and here's the thing i think this really goes back to the discussion we have with our clients about rate of return versus outcome because that's what we're really talking about here i think people when you talk about the noise the water coolers there is the mindset from people that you know i'm I, i'm just going to make money in all environments i'm going to be able to do this unlike anybody else has been able to do this and avoid loss here's a news flash the plan at GenWealth is going to assume there are going to be bad times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to assume that there's not always a profit, a rate of yeah. return that's positive in the stock market. It's not going to happen. And, and and if you think you're going to a financial advisor, what do they say sometimes when they come to see us? I think a lot of people have sat down with me and they said, well, I just want you to make me some money. Yeah, that, oh. that's that's what they want. All right? the time. Weekly, yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody wants to make money and yeah, that's sure. true. And that's part of the plan. But it should be outcome based, 
not rate of return based, right? right? Your number one plan in retirement should be paycheck replacement. Yep. How do I replace mm-hmm. this paycheck that I have lived on for 20 or 30 or 40 years, whatever your working career has been? How do I replace that in my day-to-day budget, my day-to-day finances? Because I'm no longer going to work. That paycheck's not going to be around. How do I replace that utilizing the resources that I have? And that ought to be the focus of anybody's retirement plan. We'll have a little insight into the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process and what that investment strategy is all about when we continue on the Get Ready for the Future show right after this. Don't miss a minute of the Get Ready for the Future show. Look for our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or visit GetReadyForTheFuture.com slash radio. We'll be right back. You ain't heard nothing yet. Buckle up because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. We are giving you a summer break when it comes to our Gen Wealth Academy workshops. Our next one is not until July, but we're going to go ahead and preview that for you. It's about Social Security. So any questions you have about Social Security, maybe you're still decades away from retirement and you wonder if it's going to be there, or maybe you're walking right up into the retirement red zone, five to 10 years out, and you need to understand your claiming strategies. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to visit with us, especially if you're in the Faulkner County area. I'm talking about Bologna, Moralton, Conway. We're going to be at Mike's Place in Conway on July 16th at 6.30 to talk about Social Security. And Stephanie Smith of our team will be there She spent 27 years working at the Social Security Administration and has now joined our team, and she is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, In fact, I basically say, hi, welcome, everybody. Here's Stephanie. That's the way that workshop goes down. She will answer your questions. It is a QA, and a very interactive workshop, free to attend. So please, if you have any Social Security questions at all, this is a great opportunity. And let me stress the free part of that. I know there are other firms and other organizations that require you to pay for a Social Security workshop. We do not require that. We do not ever ask for anyone to pay to attend a Gen Wealth Academy workshop. We believe education should be free. And, and let me also lay something out about our Social Security workshop. I think that if you're really talking about anybody else that doesn't have the kind of background that Stephanie has, what you're getting is secondhand information and hearsay. Hmm. What you're getting from Stephanie is 27 years of experience working in the Social Security Administration. Solving problems. Solving problems, understanding the system. This isn't you know, a regurgitation of, of some, you know, presentation that somebody put together. Mm -hmm. This is the real deal. This Mm -hmm. is, she delivers all the facts that you want to know and will answer questions, Candace. We've had her in, in workshops in the past where we stood there for 30, 45 minutes just answering questions. She's so fantastic. And then even when our clients come to meet with us and they have questions, I'm like, you know what? Let me go down the hall and see if Stephanie's available, have her come in. She has been such a wealth of knowledge for these clients, brought so much peace of mind where they didn't have to wait on the phone for however long on Social Security or, like you said, secondhand knowledge. It's first-hand knowledge, and it's uh, she's she's so personable too, though. Yeah, and and, and passionate, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. about and, social security, yeah. <laughs> which I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? It's so true, though. <laughs> she's great. Well, we had a client in the other day, and they thought they were destined to get two or three hundred dollars a month because they'd had spotty work history and all of this type of thing, and they didn't even know about a spousal benefit. And mm-hmm. so we said, "Hey, let's just." talk about this for a second and and you know spousal benefit is not anything that's you know a news flash or anything but it was to her it was great information to her because it will make a huge difference in in her cash flow and in her in her retirement life yeah because what are there 80 is 86 different claiming Mm -hmm. strategies yep yeah and you got to work through that and i would want somebody that knew it on the inside so we know that's a long way away, July 16th, but we're letting you know about it in case you want to go ahead and get signed up because space is limited. Mike's Place, we have a private room, but you can probably only get 15 to 20 people in there. Now, we'll get a second room if we need to, but if you want to go ahead and sign up, you can go to our website, getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. You can find all the happenings there uh, where our workshops are happening, but that is the next one, July 16th, 
630 Mike's Place Conway Social Security Workshop, a chance for you to get some free education. It is down the road, Scott, but but if you're getting close to retirement, you could actually take advantage of those resources right now. You could pick up the phone and give us a call, 501-653-7355, and schedule your appointment with a GenWealth advisor. And what will that get you? It will get you started in the GenWealth Ready to Retire process. The foundation of that process is Social Security. You've got to be sure that you you have the the right claiming strategy with Social Security. Austin, I talk about the Social Security kind of being like that base of of the Legos that you'll end up, you know, stepping on and stepping yeah. on and <laughs> knocking over. Yes. Uh-huh. But but it is that base, yeah. and you begin to build on top of that when we create a plan. Yeah, you want that base, that foundation, so to speak, of building that house, whether it be Legos or a real house, to be solid, to have a guaranteed income stream. Because really, when it comes to your retirement, there's never an okay time of retirement where you're got to have it expenses aren't covered through a guaranteed source then beyond that diversifying your plan our bucket strategy approach is a is a great tool where you're able to name your dollars so your dollars don't name themselves right and you know ryan dietrich uh, scott was talking about uh we're likely to see more volatility through the year and everything the gen wealth ready to retire process and that bucketing approach or the segmenting approach with the income for life model that we use is designed to really go into the teeth of the storm like this, yeah. because as you said earlier in the show, we're building it to anticipate stuff like this. You have to, because obviously retirement, you're going to be in retirement possibly 20, 25, maybe even 30 years. So we know based on market cycles that the market goes up and the market goes down. So somewhere during your retired life, you're going to see a correction, you're going to see a recession, you're going to see a bear market. So your investment strategy, your income plan would be a better way to say that as you walk through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process has to be built to anticipate that. And, he, and here's how and here's how we do it. And let me say this. Let me jump in by, by saying this. We talk about the required income. We talked about that foundation of the house. That is where our conversation with clients who are about to retire starts. And I want to bring this up because I've heard it from you guys our advisors have told us, and, and I've experienced it too, that a lot of people have, have other financial advisors, and they tell us what? I've got something here I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand it. Even when I have a conversation with my advisor, I don't understand. Well, this is pretty understandable. We're talking about income. We're talking about paychecks in retirement. We're talking about paying the bills and guaranteed income streams. Now, above and beyond that, Once we know the bills are paid, once we know your basic existence is taken care of in retirement with an analysis of your guaranteed income, then we're looking at what we call our bucketing approach. And this is where the investment strategy kicks in. So we talked about, are you retiring in the next five to 10 years? And will you be retiring into a recession or a bear market or both? Well, if that happens the equity exposures in your investment strategy are going to be set up to be used for income later, much later in your retired life. We're talking 15 years where most of the equity exposure is in your investment strategy. So here's the deal. If we're looking at a conservative investment strategy on money that we're going to be using today, and a little bit less conservative for money we're going to be using in five years, and then a hybrid strategy for money we're going to be using in 10 years, then when the market goes down, are you all that concerned about it? Because you're not using that money. No, I, I think that that you've got to have a, a long-term view, but understand the short-term risk. And I think that's where the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process really does kick in. And Candace, I love it when our clients share with us their experiences of talking to other advisors about what's going on in their retirement and trying to figure out if they've got the best idea. And we we had a client the other day come yeah. in and say, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> he really did. He said, I got, you know, let's throw it in this 60-40 mix of funds and hope that everything works out. Yeah. It, you know, he said it was so much different when he met with us than the others that he had met with because the others that he had met with were just trying to give him, like you said, that just regular 60, 40 mix. And then uh, we're going to withdraw four or 5% every year and hope for the best. Yeah. And Scott, I have to say that, that the, you know, I spend a lot of time researching and reading and keeping up on trends in our industry and what have you. And almost universally of all of the, all of the, um, 
experts, I'll call them, all of the people that are really academics of the retirement uh, uh, industry, the, the, the business of providing retirement to the masses. All of the academics are looking at that 4% rule and they're yeah. laughing. They're, yeah. they're going, no, this mm-hmm. just does not work. Mm-hmm. And anybody that recommends that to you, you need to run from them. Mm-hmm. But it is still very much a prevalent recommendation in our industry. Yeah, because 40% in that 60 40 mix at 40% is what? Fixed income. Yep. And, and there were times where interest rates were high enough that that looked like a fighting chance, right? But where are interest rates now? And how are you going to get that out of your fixed income portfolio? What I think you went a couple of years ago and heard a speaker say 2.7 is really more likely yeah. than 4%. And so when we work with clients here in the natural state, you have to look at it like, do we have enough assets that pulling 2.7% out of is going to be sufficient? Are we going to be able to support our retirement lifestyle on 2.7%? And most people would say no. So you're going to have to be looking at other income plans, and that's going to involve selling something at some point, right? Right, Selling some shares. So that's why we have to reduce that risk on the front end because you don't want to be selling into losses, selling equity uh, exposures or equity positions in your portfolio when the market is going down. I got to throw in one more thing about what we hear from our clients, because again, I think they are on the front lines of trying to figure all this out. And one of our other clients came in, a different person came in the other day and, and point blank, he said, so what's your succession plan? Uh, what happens if something happens to you? He's saying you're old. Well, he is, but <clears throat> we're just, why did you do that? You just <laughs> threw me right under the bus. Anyway, he said, what, what happens if something happens to you? I want a financial team to work with my family, meaning my kids and my grandkids. And, and I want whatever I set into motion today in 2019 to still be working in 2029 and 2039. And how's that going to happen here at GenWealth? And our team approach really does speak to that. Candace is on my team. Scott, you have a team. Austin is on a team. We we all have a group of people that we're working with, and they're varied by age and all of that type of thing. But the biggest thing is, is that they are really plugged into the familiarity of that plan. So if something happens to your lead advisor, to your point advisor, it doesn't have to blow up your retirement plan. Well, hey, we're out of time on today's Get Ready for the Future show. If you'd like to step into that GenWealth Ready to Retire process, it only takes a phone call or an email. The phone number 501-653-7355 to set up a complimentary first appointment or email us info at getreadyforthefuture.com. We thank you for being with us. Happy Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you on June 1st, next Saturday morning. The GenWealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of GenWealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. We'll